And welcome to episode nine in my second interview with filmmaker Hilton Ruiz, the guy behind Zombie with a Shotgun. I made it a point to bring indie filmmakers to the fore as guests on my show as they are out there in the trenches fighting the good fight. They are shaking the money trees, wearing a number of hats, and in the end, take the slings and arrows of criticism and armchair reviews for the effort put into their work. In many ways, filmmaking is a thankless career, as, as most people listening that are in this industry know. When you think about it, it's, it's putting your passion out there to be abused. The pattern with indie filmmakers seems to be pretty simple. They loved and made movies since they were kids. They were driven by this passion to take classes, attend schooling, bypass schooling, and, and some went right into it. But in the end, it all comes to the same place. It's a major sacrifice for their art with many close around them simply not understanding what goes into it all. I asked Hilton to be on this show to follow up with my enlightening interview with Tucky Williams. Hilton is also in the trenches and comes from a great background and his story of how he became a filmmaker is the stuff of the best of 80s Spielberger John Hughes. Hilton grew up in New York City. He spent his childhood with siblings and, and movies and will recount the magic of the family trip to the movies back when it was dinner and a movie. Now, most have to make the choice between the two. Hilton now has his feature film in the can through post and it's out to festivals. He's put so much into his work and, and looks for that elusive breakout like every indie filmmaker. Join me in hearing his story through this great interview. You can find Hilton and Zombie with a Shotgun's information online at Twitter at Hilton Ariel Ruiz and also at Zombie WA Shotgun. So that's at Zombie WA Shotgun altogether for Twitter. And the film's website is zombiewithashotgun.com. So let's get into it with Hilton Ariel Ruiz. First of all, before I do an introduction to you, uh, how do I pronounce your last name properly? Uh, you could, it's two ways people pronounce it. Uh, the proper way that, you know, people, uh, Ruiz or Ruiz. I mean, Ruiz, that's what I've always called you, yeah. Ruiz. Yes. A lot of people, have, there's two different ways to, to pronounce it. You know, uh, I've always had teachers when I was, you know, younger in, in school and college they were the proper way and then you'll have another teacher would say no that's not no you could also say it that way so th i've always had a debate as i was getting you know going to school <laughs> to always telling me how to pronounce my own name but sure, you know, like it, sure. yeah ruiz or ruiz is definitely they both correct in both ways and uh we are talking to hilton a ruiz the director writer of zombie with a shotgun lots of great questions for him and uh, really looking forward to hearing what he has to say as an independent filmmaker who's seen quite a bit. So, Hilton, welcome to cinema. Hey, what's going on, Harrison? Thank you for having me on your show. <laughs> I'm really glad to have you. You're my second guest on the show. I don't know if you got to uh, catch the Tucky Williams interview, but she, um, she really brought a lot of interesting things to light, a lot of uh, cynicism she's been going through. And as a filmmaker, that's what um, I want to get on with you about today and uh, to talk to you as someone who's out there. Uh, doing what you do. So um, first, before we get into, you know, zombie with a shotgun and, and catch everybody up to speed on the modern day stuff, how'd you get into filmmaking? What kind of filmmaking do you do? And uh, primarily, how are you making it work? Well, I'm, you know, I'm originally born in New York City, um, downtown Manhattan. So when I was younger, of course, a lot of uh, during the 80s, I would say definitely a lot of the inspiration was, you know, just being in New York City and seeing the things that happened throughout my whole, you know, especially throughout the 80s was just so amazing seeing there. And I grew up in a part that was really interesting. It was uh, downtown Manhattan. 
Delancey and Christie Street, which a lot of people, you know, if you've heard of that area, that was, you know, yes, definitely uh, <laughs> not a good part of town. But I would have to say most of New York City was probably not a good town to even to walk around anywhere. So just being, you know, uh, being in that town area and, and just going driving around always in in uh, Times Square and in the Deuce and area, I would say, you know, gave a lot of like memories of now that when I make films, I think about those times about how can I tell stories that kind of like, you know, inspired me from back then. And I think a lot of it had to do also with um, I grew up with uh, six kids in the house, three boys, three girls in the house, brothers and sisters and cousins. And um, we used to go to the movie theater every weekend. You know, back then it was a cheap sort of like, you know, way to go. Oh, yeah. With the family and everything. Now it's like, forget that. Imagine with six kids now. Yeah. We're talking probably like $300, $400 probably. Sure. And, that, and that's really not far off the mark. I used to say that it used to be at one time dinner and a movie. And now it's dinner or a movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of times, you know, we, we I was the youngest out of everyone. And so... It was just like, you know, it was always funny being the youngest. You know, I never wanted to spoil the, you know, seeing the rated R movie. And um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, you know, everybody was like, oh, we can't really watch that. But it wasn't like that. It was like, we're going to watch it. We don't care that you're the youngest, tough, close your eyes, whatever. <laughs> so, you know, going to the movies, watching these, you know, Friday the 13s and these Halloweens and all these like movies, you know, uh, Scary movies of, of you know was really frightening you know being a little kid I was but it it was just amazing how growing up at that time and I would say you you would remember we used to just watch any kind of movie didn't matter what kind of violence oh, yeah. that was and everything you know you know even yeah, I to mean this I day, saw the Amityville Horror I think that was my first R rated film and that was in '79 and I was a kid and there's a little bit of a, a cool thing of feeling like a badass when you're watching something like that as a little kid. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you, you know, and, and also the VHS times, he's just popping the VHS, oh, yeah. no matter, no one really cared, you know, what, what was on there. And, you know, even to this day when I would say the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life was Death Wish, because it felt, it felt so real, you know, even watching it right wow. now, the rawness of that. And that I would have to say that's probably the scariest movie that I've ever watched when I was young, you know, and it was just crazy. Um, so then, you know, as it got older and everything like that, I always wanted to uh, put stories together. And a funny story I'll tell you really quick is, remember those Chinese movies that used to come on um, Channel 5 over here in New York? They used to come on Saturdays and everything. We used to watch all the Kung Fu movies. And, my, you know, everybody <laughs> was in love with them. So when I was little, uh, uh, my, my, my cousin and my brother, they used to do Kung Fu. And they used to take a little camera and they used to, like, record it. So they never wanted me to fight in the kung fu scenes and they would make this they'll choreograph this kung fu scene and everything and I, of course i was the youngest i was the brat no one wanted to play with the youngest no one wanted so i always wanted to go in and choreograph the scene also with them I wanted to fight i wanted to be the star of the of the kung fu film that they were creating they're like no take the camera you're gonna film you're gonna be the director <laughs> You know, so it is so funny because they still talk about it. They're like, you know, is that amazing that we remember when we used to used to want to be the, the actor, but we said, no, you'd be the filmmaker on it. And it was so funny. It started from there. Slowly, you know, we, they used to say, OK, you're going to record the scenes and show, you know, the fighting scenes and everything. I was like, OK, cool. And it was so funny because sometimes we didn't have a tape or anything. And then we used to give me the camera just still pretend I was filming it. Because <laughs> they never even wanted me to even do, be in the in the in the action scene or whatever the kind of film they were shooting. So little by little, I was learning. I, some, some sort of way, I was learning 
filmmaking. And, and you know, wow. being eight, nine, ten years old, because my brother and my cousin never wanted me to be in the film. So I started from there. I got really into it. I loved it and everything. And I remember telling my mom I wanted to get my own, like, camcorder, high eight or whatever it was at that time. And one day she uh, surprised me. She bought it for my birthday. It was a Sony. Um, um, I totally forgot. I still got the camera, believe it or not, in my storage. Wow. <laughs> I got to look. Yeah, it's, I got to dig it up and everything. I still have it. I still have the tapes of some of the stuff that I've done when I was younger. And um, there I started making these, like, films with my friends. And we make, like, you know, recreations of, like, horror films and stuff like that. And I decided to go out to, you know, schooling and, and um, took filmmaking. I uh, took filmmaking in so many different places because I really wanted to learn the craft, such as, like, you know, New York Film Academy. Um, I took courses in NYU. I wanted to learn animation. I went to school visual arts. And also photography. Photography is also my big, you know, it was also a big background. Um one of my mentors is uh, Jules Allen. Uh, he's a, a photographer out there. He taught me a lot about photography and film and everything. And um, I also dabbled in fashion. Uh, went to uh, FIT to learn fashion photography. So I went in a lot of different places to learn different. And I, I just wanted to learn those specific things because, you know, it helped the craft of, uh, you know, what I was doing. Mainly it was more filmmaking that I wanted to do. And uh, well, I felt like I learned. That is, I, I can't believe... You, there's such an eclectic amount of stuff here that that contributed from being a boy, uh, you know, learning the ropes with with your your family, your brothers, your friends, um, and then going to various different educational institutions to pick up all these things. Um, do you feel that you got something out of all of that? Out of out of all the educational, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm I, not knocking education. What I'm saying is, did you learn more on the street with your hands on the camera? It's a really good damn question. And I'm going to say I learned more from the streets. And I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you or streets or just hands on, I'm going to say. And I'll tell you why. Um, this is a really key uh, component of, of, of me growing up and, and being going to filmmaking and communicating with people on the set. Me being, you know, the youngest family. I grew up in Lower East Side. I grew up in mm -hmm. Chinatown, basically. In Little Italy was a couple of blocks. So I grew up in primarily all Chinese. And of course, I'm a family, we're a Latin family. My parents decided they wanted me to learn, you know, much more schooling. They, didn't, they wanted to take, uh, wanted me to learn much more English than dabbling around. Um, because, you know, my Spanish was more, you know, of course, that, that was my first language. So they, they wanted sure. me to, 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 they took me and they took me to a school where primarily it was Jewish kids. So I uh -huh. went to grammar school from you know um you know from the jewish kids i had friends and everything like that and then i was in chinatown and also being a latin family and during the weekends we would have these festivals up in spanish harlem um in central park because my father used to have a semi-professional baseball team there he used to like sponsor it and we used to have a, a big parties throughout the whole weekend and then you know eventually later on my parents decided hey you know what uh we don't want you to go out to, you know, you know, it was really bad in New York. I don't, you don't have to even tell you. So they brought me to a uh, private school where I went with a, with all Italians and everything. So it was such a great, you know, uh, um, I got everything, you know, from being in Chinatown, you know, and, and being, you know, this Latin family. We used to have these big parties in, in Spanish Harlem and Central Park from going to school with all Jewish kids and then going to private school with all Italians 
And it was just awesome, you know. It was just, you know, all that experience really helped. Got to know a lot of people and, and be very comfortable with so many different people. And I think that was the biggest help, actually, you know, going out, filmmaking, and going there and not being afraid to do things and stuff like that. I think that was a big key also, believe it or not. And going in and going hands-on with the film and everything, just walk around with the camera in New York City and just say, screw it, I'm just going to make a movie. And no one's going to tell me what to do because I'm from New York. You know, that was this amazing thing, you know, and, uh, you know, when making a film, you know, running around with a 16 millimeter camera shooting in film in New York City, but it was such so much easier, of course, before, you know, pre 9-11. And that was awesome. I remember work, walking around with the camera, running around with the camera, making these films. And then after 9-11, it was like nearly impossible to go into like shooting at different places that you could. But I mean, they both helped. The education definitely uh, helped. Um but um, I, you know, things change now, you know, remember, we, we learned filmmaking, real film, you know, we didn't, you know, when I grew up, I learned in film, there was no digital started to right come after. Right. So, Same here. Yeah. So things are different now, you know, like, maybe if the meat, if the, maybe if we were still learning the craft in film, I would say it's very important to go there. You know, to learn it. Because, you know, of course, you have to learn the stocks, the films, you know. You had to use a real light meter, you know. <laughs> you yeah. had to use the light meter. You had to know the stocks oh, yeah. of the film. You had to know between you know, the tungsten light, you know, versus, you know. It was just, you, you know, and it was it was amazing. You know, you had to learn all those, you know, you was going to use Fuji, you was going to use Kodak film, you know. It was always a challenge, you know, 16 to 35, Super 16, and well, I, think, I think you've said something really important just going back a little bit, and that is you, you actually went out and you did it. Uh, you, you actually put your hands on things and you weren't afraid. There's this constant nagging uh, belief that we, we have a generation right now and, uh, or a couple generations that are just so timid and they, they just are stuck on not being able to socialize. Um, so they, they do everything behind the protection of, of a screen, whether it's their cell phone, whether it's, uh, an iPad, whatever, and that they're, they're not actually out there getting their hands dirty, taking chances and, and physically putting their hands on something. So I'd like to hear your opinion about that. I mean, what do you think of that? Is there any validity to that? No, I totally agree with you. I think just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, a lot of people say, you know, exactly what you say, you know, oh, it's really you know, congratulations, you went out there and you did a film, it's really hard to make a film. And, and I think, you know, I, th I think there's that fear element of just, you know, um, going out there and do a film. Why? Um, what, what is so scary about it? I mean, other than money, of course, and then we're going to get into that. Like you did, you, you got a camera, you went out mm -hmm. and you made things. Um, and you learned how to make things, you learned how to craft things. And what is that fear, do you think, that, that people have that hold them back? I, I, think it, I think it has to do with um, the unknown, being afraid that, you know, hmm. not knowing what it is to make a film and just being fear of just, you know, uh, um, just not understanding the craft and, 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 and just not knowing that world. I mean, that's what I think it is. You know, it's like... You know, anything else with, um, I guess if somebody tells me, you know, um, some, you know, to go into that one to something totally new, I'm, I'm probably going to be very timid and say, oh, well, I, I really can't do that. You know what I mean? I, you might have to give me a little bit of time and just that whole fear factor of just, of, of failing. Um, I, I don't know. You know, it is a damn good question, though, I have to say. Yeah, there's another thing, too, just 
there are people a lot. I would say seventy-five to eighty percent of stories I hear people is that they go out and they go and try to do it and they go quarter through it uh, and they just decide that I'm not going to finish the film. So there's just so I would say I don't know. I mean, I hear many stories. Maybe sixty or to seventy-five percent of films never get made, never get done yes. or completed. I would say the whole point in doing this podcast from the beginning was you know I. Like I used to say, well, I, I still say all the time, and just what the internet needs is, you know, another movie review site. And, you know, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, th- like you said, that fear factor and, and all of that, are we creating uh, a generation that's just afraid of everything? I mean, you, you, you hear these stories of, you know, the kids that get trophies for just participating. And is anybody actually out there working anymore to do something or do they all just think, you know, well, I have, as I've said in, in previous uh, uh, podcasts, you know, I have, I have a camera and I have Final Cut Pro. I have my iPhone. I can make a movie and I'm a filmmaker. No, but you're not, you know, and and in addition to that, we have we have people that just don't understand film. They're they're not understanding what goes into it. Like you just told me you have a, a huge history of this. You watched scary films growing up. You went into theaters with family and and, and every week was was going to a movie and we're, we're understanding the things that we attack. And now we just have technology that allows us just to be pissed off at everything. And, and what do you have to say to somebody out there that's listening right now that says, I have an idea for a movie. I, I, they may even have some access to equipment, maybe not the most funds, but they, they have the ability to go make something. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? Yeah, so to to piggyback a little bit of what you said, uh, you know, it, it's it's yeah, you're absolutely right, and I, I think that also is the times you know times have changed. Now it's you know you're becoming a YouTube uh, star or a YouTube filmmaker, and now you you know they make they're considered filmmakers now. Is it their fault? I don't I don't you know not really you know that you have YouTube that's putting out monies on, on you know you could go out there and get lucky right? You do some sort of like everything is luck anyway. But you could go out there and you do some YouTube channel and boom, you get all instant hits and views and everything. Automatically, you're a filmmaker. You know, so right. that, inst- that instant gratification that we live now in this generation, right? Everything's like instant gratification. Boom, that everybody wants, you know, boom, boom, you're going to get, um, you know. I, I mean, I think that's a lot of it also to do with it. You know, like these YouTubers are coming out. And I got nothing wrong with YouTubers. You know, it's not their fault. This is the new generation that came on. You know, you can't even go to schools now. They, they teach you how to cut film, really, right? Everything is a final cut by the program, boom, and everything like that. Yeah. yeah. So our, our generation is totally different. I mean, we look at it and sometimes we're like confused, right? We're like, damn, what, you know? And, and, <laughs> and we're so confused we can't even figure out. It takes us a couple of years to say, oh, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, somebody that has an idea that's out there, you know, I always tell, and I think everybody, I think you and I, the same thing. A lot of people tell us the same thing, which is, um, you know, get an idea that you like, that you really want to get behind. And not just an idea you want to get behind. Make sure it's an idea when you bring people along to the project that you're going to believe so much that they're going to believe in that project. Um, you know, if, because if you're going to go out there and just do a project, do a project that really, you know, it, it, it sometimes, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work. If, you know, get that one project that you really believe in, because when you get that team, they're going to see the feel and the vibe of your, you know, of yourself going in there and saying, oh, God, this guy really believes in it. So this really matters. I'm going to now put 110 percent in, in the idea. And, you know, I always say, you know, filmmakers even doing, you know, every film we learn from mistakes. You know, uh, Steven Spielberg said it one of the best lines he's ever said. 
he says, you know, all films are never completed. They're just abandoned because we can't, ha- we don't have enough funds to keep on to do that film, you know, that per- perfect shot. We just abandon the film and say, okay, it's ready to go. Okay, let's cut it. You know, we all learn from it. I don't think, you know, there's, uh, I think all filmmakers learn from it. So just go out there with your idea, your story and shoot it. And, you know, that's the way you learn. And that's the way you, you know, you learn from your mistakes. and You become a, a better filmmaker. Well, that's what that's what John Carpenter said as well. He said, get a camera and go out there and shoot it and and make the best film that you possibly can. But that's the thing we've we've taught now in, in public school, private school, wherever it is that this is going on. And I don't know where this comes from. But it's that, well, if you can't do it perfectly, then then you shouldn't do it at all. It'll hurt your self-esteem and and blah, 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 blah. And what, what we don't understand is, is that Spielberg grew up on hard knocks. He got his shin skinned. That was the point of it. I mean, I you know, watching him talk about Jaws and the way the problems that he had with that film and making that film. I mean, he really thought his career was over after it. He really yeah. did. No, nobody knew at the time that he was making Jaws. You know, he was making Jaws, but not Jaws. Mm. And and so he learned so much from it. And my last podcast talked about that with the fields as, as much as I hated the production of that motion picture. I, it was a baptism by fire. I mean, I, I got kicked all over the place, but boy, did I come out of it knowing what to do. And, and we're not really emphasizing that anymore. So it's, it seems to be a lot of, well, if, if I can't do it perfectly, then like you said, I, I will abandon it. You know, I'm just going to let it go and I'll go on to do something else. So yeah. here you are, this independent filmmaker Talk a little bit, if you can, how do you go out there? How do you shake that money tree? Uh, you have from you, 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 let's say you, let's just cut to the chase. You have a project you want to get funded. <clears throat> how did you find the money for this and, and put it together and then look at it and go, okay. And then where are the next steps mm. for that? So yeah. as an independent <clears throat> filmmaker talking to somebody who goes, okay, yeah, you're telling me just to go out and do it. Well, you did Hilton. So why don't you tell them yeah. how you went out and did it and where it's going for anybody that's listening. You know, I want people to know that, you know, I'm just like anybody else. I had a dream and I wanted to pursue the dream and I did it. And the difference between a lot of people is just, I never quit. So I, I, I tell a lot of people that's listening, you know, it's just don't quit. Just keep on going. And I had that, <clears throat> That passion, that that drive, that drive that no one was going to tell me no. No one was going to stop me. I didn't care if people tell me you're garbage, you're nothing. And you hear it. I hear it all the time. I mean, as filmmakers, you get criticized. You have to have rough skin in this field. I mean, I've heard it so many years, you know, oh, you know, this and that, your stuff and everything. That That didn't matter. So I tell a lot of people, just, you know, don't let any little thing hurt you. Don't let anybody tell you anything. Once you have that drive, that determination, you just keep on going. I mean, nothing can stop you. And that was, I have to say, that was myself. I started seven years ago on in the month of August, which is really interesting. August of uh, seven years ago, which would be, what, 2012. Yes. I decided to do a web series. Um, and then I uh, was an actor friend that uh, we're getting, you know, we're becoming friends. His name was Braden, Braden Body, which is actually the star of the film, also the feature film. Mm-hmm. And we got together and I told him, hey, look, I got this idea. I got this web series I want to do. I want to do some zombie story. I want to do like some, some sort of romantic 
zombie film. And, you know, at the time, it's really, you know, yeah, it's funny and everything. I said, I wanted to do a point of view to zombie. I wanted the zombie to be a kick-ass zombie. You know, I wanted it to be something that's different, you know. And um, a lot of it helped also with the title, Zombie with a Shotgun, you know. And just as a hobo with a shotgun was such a great title, Zombie with a Shotgun came along. Oh, that's a great title for a film. You know, let's see, if it, will that match what we were doing? So, you know, like, again, determination. I said, let's get together. Um, you know, him and I, I met him. So a lot of people want to know how the process I started. I was looking for casting. So there's a lot of different spots I could go and cast for films. You know, a lot, believe it or not, um, is really good for people's Craigslist. Um, you would be so surprised. Go on Craigslist and doing casting under the film group, or whatever, wherever city you're from. You'd be so shocked and surprised at how many great actors you could find there. Uh, on anything, on editing, everything, you'll find unbelievable, talented people. Um, so I, 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 him and I, and we, we casted like, uh, you know, uh, two or three other people there. Um, and we shot the film, you know, of course got my, you know, my DP and, and, you know, uh, my, you know, of course you get, you know, people to help on the film. So, sure. you know, it was, it, it was a five minute short film. That was going to be the first episode of a uh, five or seven. We, we wanted to keep on actually our goal was to keep on going to shoot the series as much as we can. And, you know, at that time, you really don't know, you know, you're like, okay, um, we, we usually do these sort of like, there are kind of like uh, assignments or experiments or just another uh, uh, um, a project to climb the ladder, to learn more about the, the, the art form and to meet more people as you take it to festivals and everything. That's basically, you know, what we always do, you know, so that, that's basically what I had in my mind. We did the first episode and I think it was cut like in two, three days. Um, I was lucky. I got some a great um, uh, composer for the film, which he's also the composer for this the feature. We, I, I stuck with everybody. Basically, a lot of original people from the first episode came along, and um, boom, it went viral. And again, I, I, I have to emphasize what I said before. A lot of it's luck. Yes, I got lucky. You know what I mean? Uh, I did something that you know went viral. And in a couple of days, I was getting like hundreds of emails of like, what is this? Is this a trailer for a feature? We want an interview. We want a podcast. We want to go, you know, I got everything. Everybody wanted just to know what the hell is zombie with a shotgun. Um, the first episode, I have to say, was, was, you know, was done really nicely. And I was shocked. You know, I was like, wow, what do I do? You know, what do I do now? Like, now this whole buzz, even my actor was getting buzzed about the whole thing. And you wouldn't believe it. My actor got signed to management just on that first, basically, episode. <laughs> so we were just like, wow, what do we do? You know, we'll still continue the, the episodes, you know. And it took us about two years and a half to do the episodes due to the fact that my actor got signed. So he would come back to New York, you know, every like six months and we'd shoot the second episode, third, fourth and fifth. And um, I went to emailing all the usual suspects, the horror, you know, people produce everybody, you know, trying to figure out, hey, I want to be able to see if you would be interested in, you know, coming on board and financing a feature film with me. Now, this is where it gets hard. Nobody wants to do it because... <laughs> You have no money. And the number one question from everybody says, yeah, you have money. 
how much money you have, and then we'll see. You know, they don't want to be that first penguin that jumps into the water. You know, everybody's waiting for that first penguin to jump in the water and test the waters out to see. Then everybody goes in. Um, and and unfortunately, in filmmaking, uh, us the filmmaker, uh, filmmakers, we we have to be the first one jumping in the pond. And this sort of like if we're looking for money from the outside, um, so you know. You get lucky, yeah. You get people to come in, and, and and I did get people that wanted to take the project completely out of my hands and say, "Okay, we're gonna take it, and we'll give you a cut. We want, you know, this is now, you know, you just step aside." And I got a lot of those deals, and I said, "Hell no!" I, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm an independent filmmaker. I, I, I mean, I'm, I want, I want to do this. This is what I love to do. What I'm gonna do, I'm. I don't want to be the freaking water boy looking, you know, <laughs> and looking at the game, you know. I, I wanted to be part of the game. And I, I asked a lot of guys, yeah, I want to be part of the production. Yes, I'll do it. Give me a better points, you know, give me better. But I want to be part of it. Let me, let me contribute being right or be the contribution of, of being somebody to tell you what, you know, what my vision is. Or, you know, get me in there some way, somehow. And no, nobody really wanted to. I said, okay, I get it. I understand. I don't have a name, whatever. This is what independent filmmaking is. I refuse those deals that came in and wanted to fully finance the project, but take me out of it, the equation. And, you know, my famous analogy, I would say, is like, you know, they wanted to take my farm and just leave me with a pig or a cow. Say, hey, okay, here's your little oinker or your cow. We're just going to take the farm. And I was, no, I'm not doing that. So, you know, they were like, you know, and then other, other guys, you know, We'll say, okay, I'll come in if you could come in 50% or a quarter, you know, bridge gap or whatever, you know, gap financing, everything. We'll find it out there some way, somehow. I don't have money. I know that that's the thing. I, I don't have money. And you, you get, you know, you start to say, oh, my God, what am I going to do next? And that's when I met this gentleman called uh, Simone uh, Guglielmini, who's an Italian comic book artist who draws for... Um, Image Comics, one of his famous series that he did was Near Death, which is an amazing comic book. Him and I got along so well. And him and I came with the idea, hey, let's make a comic book first issue. Maybe that would help get more of these investors to come on board and everything. Okay. We And we, you know, that took a year, finally planning. We finally did five uh, issues. I mean, he did the first, and then he brought in one of his uh, other artists that did the number two, three, four, and five. You would think it would help. It didn't. We, <laughs> it, it did help with my followership. I got a lot of people engaging more. Wow, this guy's taking this zombie with a shotgun really serious. Now we're in like a third year, fourth year, and I'm starting to feel like, oh, man, do I quit? I mean, this is not yes, as easy I, I've as I've been I, there. I, I can't yeah, even I, tell you. I, I know exactly yeah, how you're feeling. I, <laughs> and then, you know, and, and I, tell you, I tell you this, too. You know, what started coming to me and started bothering me was that am I going to be known as the zombie guy? And, you know, I, I, I worked in so many projects and documentaries. And I'm like, and it started, like, coming to my mind. Like, you know, am I going to be the document? You know, am I going to be the zombie guy? And everyone's going to forget the work that I really, truly love. And it bothered me for a while. But then I said, who gives a shit? You know, this is what I love. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. And this may be the project that makes me help do my other projects. How many people out there would love to have sort of this little small fan base I created with the series, with the comics? Now I'm responsible now to give the audience and the fans a feature film. 
And um, I wanted to go to crowdfunding, but I hate it. I wasn't from that generation. I, I know. Yep. I wasn't for that crowdfunding, and I couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I felt like I was a, you know, I grew up as being a salesperson. My father was a great salesman and everything in his job. And I, I was, you know, that was my thing. I learned from him. But doing it on, on a camera and selling the project, I felt like I just couldn't do it. I just There was something that I felt like wasn't real, wasn't, I don't know. And, you know, my um, one of my producers that came on, Kyle Hester, who's in part of, of Zombie with a Shotgun, he shook me out of it. He was like, dude, just do it. Do it. Who gives a shit? Who cares? And finally, I said, you know what? Fuck it. I, I, I had to put my tail between my legs. So oh, let's do it. Let's do the crowdfunding. <laughs> and I did it. And um, I, I had help from people who came on and said they're going to help me. And Kyle definitely was uh, one of the producers who helped me a lot. And and here's another thing, too, for people who's listening. It's a job. You just can't do two, three days and say, I'll come back next week. People think it's a nine-to-five job. No, it's more than a nine-to-five. It's waking up in the morning and going to sleep. As soon as you put that phone down, that that <laughs> your last tweet or your last thing had to do something with your film. We went on Kickstarter. We got disappointed because we didn't. We weren't going to make the goal, which sucked. I mean, we were like one month, and we had like twenty thousand dollars, and we I think we was raising I, I forget I think sixty whatever, and at that time we had to make at least fifteen hundred dollars a day to meet the goals. It was impossible. I was like, shit, you know, I had, I didn't think this is now. This is hard. This just this just pissed me off. And I'm you know talking to Kyle saying, hey dude, we gotta shut this down because. We're going to do another work of month because we had two months and then we're going to have to shut this shit down. And <laughs> all that work, we had to go to Indiegogo. And uh, we went to Indiegogo. And I'll tell you, we raised $20,000 in freaking two months where we raised $20,000 on Kickstarter in one month. It was disappointing. It was like, are you freaking kidding me? But people started pouring in. Like there was people, fans, and they came in, did some private contributions, and so I was like, okay, this is this is not bad. I mean, I started getting, and then I did something really crazy, very ambitious as well. This is nuts. What I'm going to say right now, we three years from August, which is funny because seven years ago we shot the, the first episode. Three years ago from August, we shot, we started the first day in production for Zombie Shotgun Feature. We finished a campaign in July, that week of July 4th. I casted, got the whole script and everything ready done in a couple of weeks, and we shot in first week of August. Because I didn't want to go into September and shoot with school and the holidays and everything. And, you know, I was no, no, I don't do it. I was like, Let me, let's do it. We, it's, it's do or die. <clears throat> you know, and as an independent filmmaker, and as so much years of experience, I said it had to be done now. It had to be done in the month of August, September. It's impossible with school coming. And then, of course, November and December, the holidays, forget about it. So after that campaign, I just, boom, everything down, cast, everything, location, scouts, boom, everything. In a couple of weeks, we shot the first week, we was in production. I advise a lot of independent filmmakers this, uh, a mistake that I learned, and I probably will do it again, even though I said I don't want to do it again. <laughs> We shot basically 70% of the film because we didn't have enough money. So I had to go back. I had to go like in two or three other campaigns. So that's why the film took three years. A lot of people say, oh, why is Dino Moose taking so long? Three years? I say, this is independent filmmaking. We did not have the whole money. And usually, not usually, you, 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 you know, and I'm, you, you know this, Harrison, you should have all the money. Yes. And um, 
you should have all the money because a lot of problems and mistakes happen. And of course, I didn't because I was very ambitious. I felt like that money was lying around. You know, uh, I wanted to show the the the, the, the crowdfunding, um, uh, the people who contribute that we're really doing this because I hear a lot of stories that people say, oh, we don't, you know, they took my money, they didn't do anything. It took them a year to do a film. I didn't want that problem. I wanted to show the, the contributors that, hey, we're going to do this film. We're going to do it. So eventually we did, we you know, we started, you know, took us three years. Um, and la I think the second year is like we finally finished, uh, um, I would say, um, around April or May was the last scene we shot of last year of Zonwood Shotgun. And then we got into editing and everything. And now we're ready to release the film. So between all that stuff, there's a lot of things I miss, but just basically of how much work and it, it takes to do the film. And again, it's it's a big time job and it's just can't quit. And I never quit. Uh, give give the audience listening, give one good example of when you really thought you were just going to hang this up and, and why. Mm, there's a lot of things that go into that. Like, you know, it, it's like, you know, you start to you start to uh, reflect in life. <laughs> I think that's that's a lot of it. You reflect in life and you start to say to yourself, like, you know, um, hey, you know what? Maybe uh, I need to go hang it up and uh, get a real job or, or, or yep. you know, um, you, know you, you have family to support and everything like that. And you also get like family that that's like, you know, a lot of family also, could, you know, not supportive also. You hear it from family. Oh, you hear it from friends, you know, oh, he's wasting his time. He's doing this and he's doing that. And it sometimes gets to you, you know what I mean? And, sure and, does. Um, yeah, it, 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 it definitely gets to you a lot. And I think a lot of it is the reflecting in life. is like, you know, what happens if, you know, this doesn't work? Am I going to start all over in another project and, and possibly, you know, still dream that, oh, this thing might hit big or whatever? But <clears throat> I think what happens as a true filmmaker, or let's not say true filmmaker, true artist, you know, somebody that really loves the art, that doesn't matter. And that feeling goes away. It does go away. And you say, hey, it doesn't matter. I'm an artist. This is what I love. I knew when I was going to come into filmmaking that it was going to be difficult. And, and, and the best reward was creating your art and nothing else. It was just getting that project out and getting that completed project and that was just, that's the love and passion of, of art. People get confused of the benchmark of filmmaking being successful is money. And it's not. You know, it, it's, it's, we all love that, of course. We all want that. That's all, every filmmaker wants that, you know, to make money, you know, so we could keep on making. But the benchmark to a lot of other people is to be this unbelievable, successful, big time filmmaker, director kind of thing. And sometimes we get confused with that. We, you know, as filmmakers, we, 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 we envision that possibly that that can happen anything, but the best part of the whole filmmaking thing is just you're so passionate about it. It doesn't really matter at the end. And that's what overtook a lot of my, my, my fears, my thoughts of quitting. It's just that the love of it was, didn't, it was, was, I loved it so much. It doesn't really even matter. So all this work that you've just told us, wanting to do this since you were a boy, watching karate films and taking a camera, your mother gets your camera. You went out there, you mix it up, you took classes. And then you you found your financing. You went through the the crowdfunding thing. You finally get this thing assembled. Where's it going, and how do yeah. people get to see it? So again, you know this, and as as Harrison, you know this. 
it's not this is the it is there's no ending to this there's now a new <laughs> sort of like world into it you say okay i finished a film what's next now <clears throat> the hard part comes in they all it's all hard but just trying to figure out a home for this film so yes we just released a trailer uh two to three days ago finally the first time a lot of people's been waiting for it I just wanted to get it right and distribution where do I go for distribution? So, <clears throat> yeah, there's there's people that I went for distribution. I've heard so many from friends and, and that, that that I know in the industry what you do and what not you do. So I've decided that I'm going to distribute myself. I felt that um, I've worked from seven years ago to now for me to give it to distribution that's not going to give me anything. You know, there's no more MGs, you know, minimum guarantees. There's no more. That's out the window. Right. They don't do anything. That's number one. Number two, I don't have uh, A-list actor. You know, these distribution want some big-time actors. Or even, I would say, known actors in the horror. I've, I've, I've assembled a, uh, uh, a cast, very talented cast, uh, 95% straight out of New York City with talent. Um, I took the chance to take raw actors that, uh, um, you know, is not known in the horror industry, but they're known as in their craft. They're very talented. They do their own thing here in New York City. I took the chance for that. I said I wanted to just do that, you know, also financially to help. And I'm, I, 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 I'm really happy with it. I found very talented people to be in the film. So that's a number two thing, you know. Um, I took the chance on that. So what helped me a lot is that I did build this uh you know some sort of a fan base for zombie shotgun there's fans that have been there from for episode one from been there for the comic been there for a lot of the artwork from the production from the campaign that are very supportive i felt like i think i can take that and go self-distribute where i will go out and have it taken to streaming services myself where they have now these new you know like you know, there's no more middleman. You could cut the middleman or the salesman. You could, you know, I don't have the tires and you could go to places. So it's like distributor or quiver or places that you can go to the guy and get your stuff streaming directly to places. Um, that's where I'm going to do. Uh, the goal is to release it in streaming service in Halloween. At the moment, believe it or not, we are still um, sound designing the film. I have a September 10th screening in L.A., it's uh, sort of like a, a premiere out in L.A. I, I, I premiered here in New York where, you know, which is for f uh, cast and crew. And also was for me to see what else I needed to go back and fix, which was great because that's what I did. And, you know, a lot of times in the film and filmmakers don't have the opportunity to go. And that's always a good thing. Go screen and look right. at it, blah, blah, blah. And I think I even sent it to you, Harrison, to get your opinion, which thank you very yes. much on that. And um, uh, with my fan base, I think they'll help and support it and get in streaming services by Halloween or on Halloween Day. And hopefully um, international probably will get uh, um, that. I'll probably find a distributor for international. I'll try to see because that's, of course, I don't know where to go for those territories or anything like that. I think that'll be a big sort of... Uh, um, Q&A because talking about independent right starting from the root of independence all the way down to the end because a lot of people do start crowdfunding or they start very independent self you know self financing their project and I would say 95% go into a distribution deal I'm going to go straight 100% independent myself self distribute and that's a you know that's a big you know um, test for me myself to see 
how that would work. That's a huge plan. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's 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 a huge plan. And yeah, you know, but but again, I think what the the center that is coming out of this interview that I'm hearing is you're going out and you're doing it. I mean, you're you're taking a risk here. And there's yeah. no guarantee for success. There's, no. you know, there's also a lot. I, I hear a lot of, but I put so much into it. Why? I, I, I got to get back. No, sometimes it just doesn't work that doesn't way, work. And, and that's unfortunate. You know, filmmaking is kind of a metaphor of life. You meet some interesting characters. You try to write the proper ending, but sometimes the, the ending gets changed. Yeah. Um, sometimes yeah. the edit gets changed. Right. Sometimes the whole course of of where the film is going yeah. gets changed. And I, I think that's. That's how it is. You yeah. can put a lot into a film, whether it's financial or, or blood, sweat, yeah. and tears. I've, I've heard people say, I worked on a film five years, and we finally got it released, and it went nowhere. Well, I, I don't know what to tell you. Has, yeah. it, may, it may not have anything to do with whether the film is good or not. It's like you said. You get lucky where, where the things in place at the right time was, was the time right. You know, Certain films are a product of, of, of the time. and Their success is connected directly to the time. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll kind of wind back to what you were saying. And that is you know, the Friday the 13th films. The Friday the 13th films were a success because of their time. And that's why they stumble now. Because teens are not the same as they were back in the 80s. Things are different. Views on sex are different. When Jason was was galloping all over the place, AIDS was still not at the forefront. So it wasn't part of the national discourse. So, you know, the unprotected or, you know, sex with abandoned kind of thing. uh, It was just different. Now, now people look at things differently and go, well, that's just not how we are. So Jason is is kind of not relevant, I guess, is what it is. So that's why these remakes of these films, some of them have stumbled because it's not the same time. So, I mean, here you are, you, you've done it, you've, you've put your film together, you're putting it out there, you're going to have an L.A. screening, uh, you've screened in New York, and you're going to take on the huge burden of, of trying to crack that distribution nut and do it yourself. Yeah, it's crazy, I know. I'm going to do it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be sort of like <laughs> an experiment, you know, I, I feel like I'm also an experiment for a lot of independent filmmakers also. Well, I'd love to be able to track this, you know, publicly yeah. as you do it. Um, so real quick, how can people find you and how can they find Zombie with a Shotgun? And then most of all, how can they find on social media I'm referring to so they can track you? How can they find this information to follow your course of action and, and to see if you succeed? Let me just say one more thing before I say that. Sure. So as us independent filmmakers, you know, Harrison, uh, I'm pretty sure when, you know, in your earlier films, going to looking for investors, right, was was a big problem. And, you know, the whole question is... <laughs> it still is. It's always yeah, a problem. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, when you get investors or somebody, it's just like a people with film, you know, what's the guarantee my film is going to be, this film is going to be successful. What's the guarantee? So I would get that. And finally, I got a great analogy for like a lot of investors or people that want to put money into films. It's just like also filmmaking also. This is also just goes with a filmmaker also. And I get investors to say, hey, what's the guarantee that my film, this film I put money and I'm going to make money back or it's going to be successful? And I say, hey, when you go bet on a horse, do you tell that person you're buying, you know, hey, what's the guarantee my horse is going to win? I say it's the same exactly way, the game. It's the hmm. same way. And you're just not going to get, there's no guarantee. 
There's no guarantee your horse is going to win. You just got to put your money in it, and you got to roll the dice and see what happens. And that's what I'm doing. So if anybody wants to find me, um, definitely you can Google Zombie with a Shotgun. When you Google Zombie mm-hmm. with a Shotgun, you'll get the first episode will pop up. And you watch the first episode. If you love what you see, that's what you're going to get. I'm in all social medias from, you know, Facebook slash Zombie with a Shotgun, Instagram slash Zombie with a Shotgun. <clears throat> Twitter's a little bit different because you can't have all those 17 letters. So it's Zombie W-A Shotgun. Now, Twitter, I'm more active on it. It's the one that, you know, helped me. It's the one that, that actually helped me yes, raise the same money. here. Yeah, so anybody, you know, um, that's where I'm at. You know, people want to ask me questions. You can hit me up. If you follow me, I will follow you back. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, I follow everybody back. I'm not, I'm not a celebrity. <laughs> so, you know, I follow everybody <laughs> back, and I love to have conversations on people and everything. So, you know, don't be timid to ask me questions. Follow me again because I will follow you back. If I don't, just give me time. I will. And uh, you can also hit zombiewithashotgun.com. You can see the stuff that we have there. We're gonna we're um, updating that the, the site as well. One last uh, any type of parting message you want to say to anybody out there right now. A piece of advice in five sentences or less. What would it be? I think it's uh, don't quit. Uh, get that one project that you really believe in. And gather up, you know, your, your, your crew, your cast, and just go with it. Just shoot your project. And just as long as you believe in your project, everybody will come along, help you, and believe in it as well. And that's really important, believing in yourself and believing in your project and not letting anybody tell you that you can't do it. I can't thank you enough. People will be able to find also your information in uh, my show notes. And I'm very excited to see what is going to happen with with your whole self-distribution. I I really do. I I can't wait because a lot of people, I think, are sitting there waiting for somebody like you uh, to score that big success. And and that's what I I think everybody who's who's a filmmaker understands all of this uh, is rooting for you, Hilton. So um, thank you. We all have our fingers crossed and and hope that this really works. So I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Uh, greatly appreciate it. And um, we're going to be able to steer people your way. So thank you for appearing on Cinema. So, thank you so much. Take care. Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review. And if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison.
If you like this podcast, and if you're an aspiring filmmaker making your way through the independent film minefield, I offer one-on-one coaching sessions by phone or Skype. Email me at this site or classof85llc at gmail.com for information and pricing. I offer input on your completed or in-development film or screenplay and offer insight into all aspects of pre-production, production, and post, and eventual distribution. Hope to hear from you.